What are we talking about? You play to win the game. You don't play to just play. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! Can't wait! Good morning and welcome. It is Coffee and Sports. It is the morning show here on Sports Empire Network. I am Chris, and of course, that is Mo. Mo, how are you this morning, sir? Uh, I'm doing well, Chris. Look, um, the NFL is coming down the stretch, playoff push, and there's crazy things going on in the NBA, so there's a lot to talk about. We're going to have a really exciting show today. We got Will coming on a little bit to talk some NBA stuff. We got the NFL genius Gene himself coming on a little bit later on to talk some NFL stuff. But Mo, I wanted to start with this today. News came down yesterday. We heard about this a few weeks ago. There were some rumblings and then some different reports came out, not necessarily about the Patriots, uh, but more particularly about other teams that maybe Bill Belichick was just going to end up on because he had a plan moving forward. We've sure. joked in the past that Robert Kraft's exit strategy for Bill was getting Bill to want to leave right. as opposed to telling Bill it's time to go. But, Mo, now a report comes out from Boston yesterday that it's over. Bill Belichick's time with the Patriots is going to conclude after this season. And the initial report that the Germany game against the Colts somehow mattered apparently actually did. Apparently, the decision was sealed, if you will, following the embarrassing loss to the Colts in Germany, where they it was 10 to 6. It was a pathetic game for both teams, to be honest with you. Uh, but that apparently sealed Bill Belichick's fate. And we don't know if the other stories are true, if the commanders are in play, if the chargers are in play, or what the next step looks like. But Mo, it looks like this is going to be the end of Belichick with the Patriots. And like you said, we don't know how it's going to play out in the off season, but what we do know is judging by what we've seen from Bill Belichick throughout his career, he's not done. He won't be done. He might be done with the Patriots, but I expect Bill Belichick to be back in the NFL. He will be somebody's head coach and put him on the right team. He will be a winning head coach. So I, 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 I feel it's weird that the Colts game was the make or break game um, because one, it was a bad performance by both teams, but the Colts are actually a pretty good football team. Like they, they lost to a better football team. Um, I, I think that Robert Kraft and you and I've discussed this. He's been mulling over different ways to tell Bill that um, he's going to need his parking space and his keys. And uh, for that to be, they lost to the coast. That's it. Um, and that's fine. Uh, and maybe they had that conversation. He just said, look, just play out the season. We'll have the exit interviews and then we'll make the announcement. And maybe it's that simple. But don't think for one moment Bill Belichick and his representatives aren't already thinking of his next destination. Now, uh, Mo, let me ask you this. So if you look at and I, I think it's silly. But maybe, maybe you're going to tell me I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe I'm. It's a, I'm a Dolphin fan. I'm too close to the Patriots, and I, I just am too critical of New England. 
But I look at their roster, and obviously there's a lot of unknowns. Who's going to be their next coach? Who is going to be their next offensive coordinator? Where are they going to draft in the draft? Because right now, I believe they're slated to have the second-round pick, which means they're in prime position for a quarterback. So let me start by saying this. If they're in position to get one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the draft, take a quarterback. I'm going to stand by that. You need a quarterback to move forward. If you're in position to get one, do it. Now, if by some miracle they win a few more games and now they're not in position to get one of the top two or three quarterbacks and they're not in position to make a move to trade up, what do you do with Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi? My opinion is this. Mac Jones, let's not forget, he led this team to the playoffs his first season in New England when he had his best offensive coordinator. Since then, he has not. He had a defensive coordinator. And look at what their offensive coordinator has done for the team this season with no weapons and no talent around him. I don't know if Mac Jones is a franchise quarterback. But I know what Mac Jones did one year as a rookie with his best offensive coordinator. 24 touchdowns. I believe he had nine picks. He was an above average game manager. They didn't have elite weapons on the offense around him, but he put together a winning record and got to the playoffs. If for some reason you are not in position to get one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the draft, this upcoming draft, if you're the Patriots, it's not the end of the world, in my opinion, if you have to roll with Mac Jones for a season. Or if you draft one of the fourth or the fifth best quarterbacks and it's going to take a year, roll with Mac Jones for a year. If you put what you put around him his first year, which by the way, Mo, wasn't a lot. It's not like they put this great team around Mac and he only got nine wins out of it and he had, you know, average quarterback stats. It wasn't a great team. And he had average quarterback stats as a rookie. So in my opinion, if he can do that as a rookie, in a situation where he wasn't really set up for a lot of success, if you build around the offense and you invest in it, I think you're going to get some decent results out of it. And I I think that we both agree that, at least I think, Mac Jones is a capable quarterback. I don't think he's a franchise quarterback, but he's a capable quarterback. You bring in an offensive coordinator that – designed an offense that plays up to Mac Jones' skill set. And what he really, really did well in his rookie season was he played well off the run game. They had a solid run game. He plays well off of that because he's effective in play-action pass. So I'm with you in that if you don't get one of the higher draft picks, you can roll the dice, bring Mac Jones in, or keep him, bring in an offensive coordinator that's Mac Jones-friendly, right? The, the 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 strength of a great offensive coordinator is that you scheme up to what your talent is. You look at your talent and you scheme for your talent um, and you set them up for success. I think you can do that. Uh, I think that's got to be in, that's got to be on the table. Now, look, in a perfect world, they get the higher draft pick. We're not even having this discussion. They go out and get one of the top young quarterbacks coming out in the draft and 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 set them up to be their next franchise player. Uh, and, and that may happen, look, because, look, the, the, the Patriots can be very competitive on defense, but right now they don't give you much on offense. I don't expect them – they might win another game, but I don't expect them to win a lot more. Um, but I'm with you on the whole thing that 
you can't just erase the potential for bringing back Mac Jones for another season. And who's to say, Chris, that the right coordinator with some moves in free agency in the draft, he doesn't end up being your quarterback for the next two or three years going forward, considering. So I, I think it's highly possible that Mac Jones returns. And I, I bring this up because the argument that I saw yesterday uh, out there in New England Patriot land, it was actually centered around Bailey Zappi. And it was centered around whether or not Zappi should have a chance to compete to be the starting quarterback for the team next season. And in my opinion, I think that Mac Jones is a better quarterback than Bailey Zappi. I understand that Zappi dropped 21 points. That's great. That's wonderful. Um, but the argument was, well, what if the Patriots have a chance to draft Marvin Harrison Jr.? Do you take him and finally get a, a receiving weapon on that team, something they haven't had in forever, and then figure out the quarterback situation with what you have? And my answer to that is no. If you have a chance to get Marvin Harrison or a quarterback, I think you take the quarterback 10 out of 10 times because receivers are nice, but you can find a quality receiver in the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth rounds of the draft. Remember, one of the Patriots' most successful receivers of the last 25 years was a seventh-round draft pick. And why did he work? Because the quarterback was in place. So I ne I'm always going to be a proponent. You take the quarterback first if you can. And I'm pretty sure if you can't take the quarterback, Mo, you can't take Marvin Harrison Jr. either. He's you not going to be there. Right. So I don't know if that's really a valid conversation to have. Uh, but also, again, new coach. I, I can't imagine whatever the Patriots look like next season, they're going to be in the same conversation of can't draft receivers, can't build. I, I would assume they're going to pivot to someone who can do those things. Yes. I would assume they're going to pivot to a situation where they can identify offensive talent and they can have an offense that's competitive in a division with Tua and Josh Allen and those yeah. offenses, hopefully, because if they don't, I'm why get rid of Bill <laughs> if you're just right. going to do it again? Well, I, I I think you have to bring in a GM and your next head coach built for the way football is played now in this era, and it's about offense, offense, offense. Yes, you want defense, but you have to have the ability to make explosive plays and move the ball down the field. So I I, I do think whoever they hire, they're going to have a better eye for offensive talent. Um, they're going to break the cycle. Maybe you don't take Marvin Harrison Jr., but you you maybe you draft a couple of playmaking wide receivers. You you what you need is you need guys that can make explosive plays in open space and do things when when it seems like there's nothing there to be done. So I do think with Bill, Bill's old school. He's an old school coach. He's a defensive minded coach, and he's a defensive minded coach living in an offensive minded era. And those two things don't work. All right, Mel, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have Will on the show. He's going to talk NBA. We got we got WWE happening in the NBA with Draymond Green. <laughs> we we got to talk about that. And we're also going to find out what the hottest team in the league, which, by the way, is the Los Angeles Clippers, uh, what is their ceiling going to be as the season progresses? We got all that and more. Don't go anywhere. Other side of the break, Will's going to be here. Coffee and sports. It's the morning show powered by Sports Empire Network. Hey y'all, I'm Keith. And I'm Jory, and tune in to Hoop Dreams and Touchdown Queens every Saturday at 5 p.m. over on Sports Empire Network. And don't forget, also watch us on Roku TV at Northeast Streaming Productions. Uh, so tune in. 
Welcome back. It's Coffee and Sports. It's the morning show here on Sports Empire Network. We are joined now by William The Truth. He's going to talk some NBA stuff with us. Will, how are you this morning, sir? How you doing? How you doing, guys? Thank you for having me What's back up, on. Will? Appreciate y'all. What's up, Mo? How y'all doing? Well, let's start with, uh, with the news that's making headlines from last night. Once again, Draymond Green is ejected for the third, not once, not twice, the third time this season. We are not even halfway through the season three ejections this man already has once again he breaks out the wwe moves in the post game he called it an accident he said he didn't mean to actually hit him it was yeah, more right. of a situation where he was just kind of flailing and looking to create space not to make contact will i say this once is happenstance twice is a coincidence three times it's a pattern it is now a pattern with draymond green Obviously, love him or hate him. Most people hate him if you are not a Warriors fan. But, Will, at this point, where is the line where Warriors fans and Steve Kerr and Curry and other players on that team start to look at Draymond and say, you're hurting us? This isn't this, you know, because it's always been with Draymond, we take the bad because the good outweighs the bad. Where are we with it no longer doing that? This is the line right here. I mean, third third time is it for me. I'm I, I'm done. Um, you're outliving your usefulness at this point. Um, and, and not only are you hurting, not only is he hurting the Golden State Warriors. At the end of the day, he's also hurting the league too. With all this, yeah. with all this BSing going around on the court, you can't tell me he didn't mean to hit that man last night. You can't tell me he didn't mean to hit that man. That was on purpose. Don't nobody flare around. He's not a Pokemon, even though my daughter does say he look like Magic Carp. But he, but he, he, he's not a Pokemon. You just don't flare around like that and just accidentally hit somebody with a clenched fist. Okay, okay. Well, no. I said it in the chat. I said it in the chat. It looked like the Kerry Von Eric discus punch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and then would, and then he and then he really... flopped. Then he flopped after he hit him. So he hits him. Then he he flops like, oh no, I didn't. I didn't. I was nah. just trying to come on. He tried man. to cover it up. That's all that was. But um, and I said this about it. I'm I'm a little bit indifferent because I said Kadarius Tony, you had to cut. Obviously, obviously, you can't cut Draymond, um, because he's a vet and the Warriors do need him. But at some point, you just gotta you just gotta cut bait. You gotta cut your losses, um, and suspend the man, um, for a good bit of time. Because nobody will get better when you keep making excuses for someone. And this man needs to be suspended for a period of time. Um, I don't know if you don't if you suspend him the second half, bring him back to all-star break. I'm not sure on how long you will suspend it, but he has to be a suspension of some type of suspense, a substantial time. He won't learn. This won't stop until he's punished for it. Mo, another question that comes out of this is when is somebody going to do something back to Draymond? It's not like Draymond is seven feet jacked to beyond belief, just this intimidating force out there. He's doing this to guys in a lot of situations that are bigger than him. You know, you you look at the NBA 20 years ago. If Dre did this, someone's going to pop him in the face. Like, it's it's not going to be we're flopping on the ground and we're not getting up. It's going to be someone's going to take a shot at him, and they know they're going to get popped for a game or two or three or whatever it is. But right. someone's going to be like, I'm the guy that's going to end it with Draymond Green. And it seems like no one really has much interest in kind of getting into it with him. You know, that they flop, they lay there, uh, they get upset about it, they throw their hands up in the air. But no one's retaliating. Is that just 
coincidence with the guys that he's getting into it with? Is that just where the league is kind of going? Because it's interesting that he he's coming off as, you know, obviously a jerk and other things like that. But he's also coming off as a super aggressive person that no one seems to want to go back at after he does this nonsense. And you would think in, in a game that is high energy and testosterone and aggression that somebody's going to go get in his face. And it hasn't really happened yet. So to be fair, he's picked the right ones to be the way mm-hmm. he's been. Mm-hmm. Stephen Adams, big guy, but not a thug, not somebody just that, that, that's looking for a fight. Sabonis, big guy, but not a tough guy, not looking for a fight. Mm-mm. Rudy Gobert, nobody's afraid of him Mm-mm. as tall as he is. He big guy again, not looking for a fight. Draymond and, and then Nurk last night. He he picks the right ones to do that with. Yep. Like you said, had he done this 20 years ago in the 90s or something, it wouldn't have had to have been a bigger guy. It would have been a smaller guy like a Vernon Maxwell or an Alva Robertson or Vinnie Johnson that would have clocked him. So the, I think it's a different era, and he knows the era that he's playing in. I, I would argue watching him this season, I feel like the way he's behaving, he wants to be traded. I feel like he wants to be moved. I think he sees the writing on the wall and realizes that this dynasty it's over. There are no more titles coming this way in the Steph Curry era. I think that's done. And I think he knows it's done. And maybe he thinks that if he can go somewhere else, he can extend his own career and his own value if he gets onto another contender. Because right now, go to state is flailing. Mm-hmm. They benched, and I knew this was coming because how they played. They benched Clay, Wiggins, and Looney in the second half. He had not benched them. Um, and all three guys have been struggling. And I think Steve Kerr was trying to hold on because they had all been key components to them winning a title, but he held on as long as he could and realized like Clay and Wiggins combined, they're, they're shooting like 30% from three. They're shooting under 40% from two. So when you get two guys like that, that shoot 15 shots per game, they're just bricklaying. And then Looney, he's known for his defense and stuff. He's been struggling. So, I'm looking at the Warriors, and it would not surprise me if not just Draymond would eventually get moved. I'm not so sure Clay and Wiggins don't get moved. Like I think they're in for a major overhaul in this roster going forward. With Draymond, though, Chris, I think you got to give this guy at least 20 games. At least 20 games. Yeah, it's got to be some type of substantial. It's got to be something because he has not learned. Like you said, we can say three times is a pattern, but that's just three times for this season, mm-hmm. for his career. We've already got the pattern. His career resume, his resume says he doesn't listen and he doesn't learn. So at some point, the league has got to send the message. You're going to learn when we hit, we hit you in this pocket and give you 20 to 25 games. Well, Look at Freddie. Freddie, Freddie, you make, don't even start with me, Freddie. Don't even start with me. Doggone Lakers lost last night. Don't even start with that, Freddie. But um, to go back to what Mo was saying, um. That's a good point because he wanted. There's some dudes he wouldn't have done this to back in the day. You ain't doing this to Derek Coleman. You ain't doing this to Charles Oakley. You definitely ain't doing it to Anthony Mason or Xavier McDaniel. So he's picking the right ones, that's for sure. Um, and like I said, it's gonna have to be a substantial suspension. And to go piggyback also what you said, Mo, this this team is due for an overhaul, not only in personnel but also for offensive philosophy. You live with the three, you die by the three. And at some point, you got to make that change to more of a half court set, and you have to live off the perimeter like this. Well, let's, talk, 
No, go ahead. I'm going. No, ahead, Chris, no, you got this. Say it. Just real quick, I would just push back on that. As long as Steph Curry is there, I think they have to play a certain way. Right. He 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 is your superstar. He's your franchise player. As long as he's there and he's playing at a high level, I don't care who's around him. I think you have to play a certain style. Oh yeah, he, fits his skill set. Oh yeah, Clay. I mean, uh, Steph will always get the green light. But I'm just saying, you, if if guys aren't hitting the three, like Wiggins is not hitting the three this year, Clay's not hitting the three this year. Yeah, you can continue to have Steph giving the green light, but other folks are. You have to, I, I think, make it more popular to to run a better office than just living off the perimeter time after time after time. Um, and I think that's really one of Golden State's problems. Again, they have no size. We already know this. So. I, at some point, you got to change something. And, again, Steph will always have a green light to hit the three, but it's everybody else that you have to be concerned with because Clay's not doing what he needs to do. Wiggins is a disappointment. I got Wiggins in fantasy. He's been a disappointment all year. <laughs> but so, you're getting killed. You're getting destroyed. Killed. Getting destroyed. And I didn't see him coming off coming into such a bad season. Gentlemen, the hottest team in the NBA right now, five straight wins. They've gone from under 500 to above 500, and they're slowly climbing up the ranks in the West is the Los Angeles Clippers. Will, obviously, when it comes to the Clippers, the one word that we're always going to talk about is health, right? Because yeah. they have not just a history, they have proven that they cannot stay healthy. What is the ceiling of this team if they can stay healthy? We haven't seen it. We've seen it in spurts. We've seen it. We saw it a little bit in the playoffs, but we didn't see it for the entire playoff run. We're seeing kind of what it looks like right now. What can this team do if they can stay healthy for a prolonged period of time in the West the way it's currently set up? They can get to the Western Conference Finals because they have all the firepower that they need to get to that point. Um, I just don't know. Denver's starting off slow, but I think at the end of the day, Denver rises to the top. Um, and wins the Western Conference. Um, but they can get the Western Conference Finals because they have the firepower that they need to get there. Um, but it's just going to be staying healthy and who you face along the way. Can they get – Can they, the first round, of course, they can get over OKC if they have to play them. Second round, if they have to get going against the Lakers, they can get past the Lakers. I just think Denver rises to the top and they win the West. But they can get all the way to the Western Conference Finals if they stay healthy because they have the firepower to do so. Mo is a healthy, now again, like I said, it hasn't happened, but yeah, is a perfectly health. healthy Clippers team the biggest threat to Denver? Or is it still somebody else? I I don't know if they're the biggest threat to Denver. Um, and um I want to say it's the Lakers, but but I'm not sold yet on their rotation. I, I the problem no. with the Clippers is it would be so easy to say yes. It's so hard to believe they're going to stay healthy, right? Yeah. Like, like the, the history says just when things are getting good, maybe they'll be great all through the regular season. And right before the playoff starts, I don't know, Kawhi, Kawhi his knee is sore or PG's shoulder goes out. Yep. Um, that's been their history. Yep. And because that's been their history, I have no faith in the Clippers being a title contender. I, I think in the bigger picture, they're pretenders because – I'm going to go with the history. They're going to have health issues at some point during the season. I just think if they can, I just think if they can stay healthy, though, I think that will be their outlook for the point. They can't beat us. They can. Um, 
But I, like I say, I just don't think they get. I think Denver will get back up there because they did have a slow start. I think Denver does win the West. Um, but if the Clippers can stay healthy, which I doubt too, um, they have the firepower to get all the way to the Western Conference Finals. I've, got, go a, I've got a dark horse. My sure. dark horse. I yeah. go. Okay, I go OKC. Yeah, yeah. That's my dark of course, horse. of course. And but, hey, they're not a bad basketball team, out, and they're young. Well, before we get you out of here, we, we're going to ask, we're, we're going to throw a curveball at you. Just react to it. Mm-hmm. Who's going to win the NFC South? <laughs> <laughs> His face. Um, um, I hate to say this because I'm not, I'm not exactly a fan, but um, I got to go with the Bucks. Uh, All right, right now, the Baker train. You're on the Baker train. All right, I'm on the Baker train. The defense, the defense, despite that secondary, the defense, the front seven still playing well. Um, Mike Evans is just amazing. If that man ain't in the conversation for Hall of Fame, I don't know who is. So um, I gotta go with Tampa Bay, Atlanta, the Saints, and that and, and, and that drama fest going on in New Orleans, and then the Carolina Panthers. But I got the Bucks winning the whole thing. Another member of the Baker Train. Yeah, man, don't want to be though. It's all right, you're on it though. See, I'm gonna see right now. Uh, you know, I know I could say I could say right now I'm a, you know I'm an independent football fan. I mean, I don't have a team that's independent. You know, he's a free agent. He's a free I'm agent. I'm a free agent fan. If anybody <laughs> wants to find me, come on up. Well, pleasure to have you on this morning. We'll see you next week, sir. I'll Appreciate see you next you week. Will. Thank you, guys. Everybody out there, have a great one. What's up, everybody? It's Control Simpson with Wire to Wire Sports Podcast, where we're going to cover all things breaking news, sports related. We're going to preview games, and we're also going to give you our reaction to the games that have happened before. You can catch us on Wednesdays from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. And if you miss us there, no worries. You can also catch us on Roku with Northeast Streaming Sports Productions from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Hey, and listen, if you're not into all sports and just NFL, we have Sideline to Sideline. That's on Thursday nights from 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to 8 p.m. We'll break down the NFL week, the Thursday night game, and we'll preview all NFL action. And if you're like me and college football is your fix, tune in every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. for Coast to Coast College Football Pregame Show. We'll review the previous week's action, the day's biggest games. We'll give you our pick and we'll even give you some teams that are on upset alert. And if you don't catch us live, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We do also have a YouTube station, Wire to Wire Sports Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back. It's Coffee and Sports. It's the morning show. Obviously, none of you know this, so I'm going to explain this to you. During the break, when the commercial is on the screen, Gene's in the green room, and his face in the green room is literally underneath the video on the screen. And live, he's doing the same head movements as he's doing in the video. (laughs) It was hilarious to watch. But the NFL genius Gene himself is here from wire to wire. Gene, how are you this morning, sir? Um, I'm better than I was Sunday. My voice is still gone. I was wow. screaming at the I feel like they hear me when I scream at the TV. I feel that way too. I'm better. I'm better. Same, 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 same. Uh, Gene, let's jump off with a quarterback change that was announced this week. The Minnesota Vikings have decided they are going to bench Josh Dobbs, at least going forward. Uh, Nick Mullins is going to be the starter, which makes sense after he, you know, produced all their offense essentially in two drives in their three, nothing victory last week. Obviously Dobbs can be a, a sustainable backup quarterback, but it looked like this spot was too big for him, especially given the fact they're right in the middle of a wild card race 
And who knows if Detroit keeps falling apart where that might end up. So I understand the move. But let's be honest, Gene, at the end of the day, it is, you know, Nick Mullins. Uh, what is the future of Minnesota this season? Are they going to get enough out of that quarterback room to get into the playoffs? No, I don't think they will. I um, I will say this, though. Can we all not sit back and admire what Minnesota has done this season? They lost their starting quarterback. They went out and traded for a quarterback. They're not getting production from that quarterback, so they went to a different quarterback. <laughs> They're bringing their star wide receiver back from injury as fast as, they, as possible. It looks like he's going to play this week. They don't quit. They they really want to compete, and they they see a playoff spot in front of them, and they don't. They like a lot of teams could have packed it in, right? They've lost a lot of people this year, but I'll give Brian Flores a ton of credit. And you, I know you hate when I do that, but um, I'll give him a ton of credit because that defense looked incredible last week. Yeah, pitching a shutout versus the Raiders, it's kept them in a lot of football games. Super super happy for Flores and and the Minnesota Vikings. Um, for still trying to compete. I got nothing against Flores as a defensive guy. I just think that his uh, his offensive talent needs some refining before his next head coach job, which, by the way, Gene, I agree with you. He does deserve another opportunity to be a head coach, and I think that he's proving that in Minnesota with the Vikings. Mo, we were on the Josh Dobbs train for a little bit. It was a good ride. It we, was. we moved over to the Baker train. Uh, is it fair to say that Dobbs has at least earned an opportunity to be a backup somewhere in the league next season? I think that his resume, and, and that's what you're doing, you're just you're writing your resume as you play out. He he's proven he's a capable backup. Um, what do you want from your backup? A guy that can take the reins and win you a couple of games and hold it down until your starter gets back. Josh Dobbs is that guy. Now, Gene. We're doing this because obviously we know you're an Eagles fan and we like to talk Eagles when you come on the show. You've had a couple of days to think about it. And I said, so let's go back a little bit. I said after the Niners loss, it's one game. It is what it is. It opens the door for other things to happen if you lose to Dallas, but you beat Dallas. No one's talking about it. But then you lose to Dallas. Again, Philly still controls their own destiny, which people really freaked out about after the game because I don't think they realize this. Right. Philly has a super easy schedule. Which, hey, as a Dolphin fan, I'm not sitting here saying you can't lose easy games. But I, I, Philly's not going to lose to the Giants, let's be honest. I don't think they're going to lose to the Cardinals. You might have a backup quarterback against Seattle. Philly has things laid out for them. They take care of business. They still win their division. At which point, worst case scenario, they're a two-seed depending on what San Francisco does. So it's not all doom and gloom in Philly. And I think people are being super hyperbolic about it. But as an Eagles fan... Obviously, you don't want to lose to the two teams that you're going to be competing to get to the Super Bowl against in the playoffs, in the Cowboys and the Niners. Those are your two biggest competition. So looking at those games, what needs to change in Philadelphia before they face one of those two game two teams again in the playoffs? I don't care how ridiculous this sounds. I don't care how absurd this sounds. Sean Desai needs to be fired. I, I, their, their defensive coordinator needs to go. And it's it's bothersome. When you look at a defense that features Hassan Reddick, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Jalen Carter, uh, now you have Shaq Leonard, Darius Slade, James Bradbury, Kevin Byard, you have all the ingredients to make a good meal. And what happens is people watch football and they don't know what they're watching. 
Mm-hmm. So like the two credit to the fan that stood in front of the Novacare complex with the no place slay and the trash berry trash cans. He doesn't know what he's watching. If you know, big play slay had zero catches allowed on him during the Dallas Cowboys game, but he was near plays. He made tackles on plays, but they're not credit to him because what the Philadelphia Eagles run is a base zone defense. They run cover two and cover three. That's it. They run that because they got shredded last year in the Super Bowl by Kansas City's motion. So they run zone to stop teams from motioning them to death, a la Miami, a la Kansas City. Well, teams figured that out, and the only way a base zone defense works is if you're getting ridiculous pass rush. The Eagles aren't getting that. So when you play against good offensive lines like Dallas and San Francisco have, you can't run base zone defense. You have to mix it up. You have to run matchup zone. You have to run uh, zone blitzes. You have to run man once in a while. You cannot just run a base cover two or cover three defense. He has all the ingredients to be successful, and he isn't successful. The offense isn't my concern. Brian Johnson's going to get it. The offense was moving the football down the field. The yardage was there. Devontae Smith drops a touchdown pass. He normally catches. It hits his fingertips. A.J. Brown drops a pass that would have put him at the two-yard line that would have surely gave them a touchdown with the tush push that he normally catches. They fumbled three times in Dallas's territory. Mm-hmm. Uh, A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts, and Devontae Smith. They got to clean up the turnovers. I don't think the offensive scheme is the issue like A.J. Brown is saying it is. Yeah, I would like quicker throws. I would like them to run the football a little bit more. But the glaring hole on this Philadelphia Eagles team is they can't stop people. And the middle of the field is destroyed. You have Shaq Leonard there. Nicobe Dean could be back in two weeks. You have Kevin Byard that you added. You have Reed Blankenship. You have players. I'll tell you right now, Robert Sala would be licking his chops with the defensive players that the Philadelphia Eagles have. Uh, D'Amico Ryans would be going nuts. What needs to change in Philadelphia is their defensive scheme, their defensive coordinator. I gave Sean Desai all the room in the world to grow. He has not grown. And Nick Sirianni in his press conference really disappointed me um, when they asked him about what needs to change uh, schematically. He goes, we just need to get better. And and they asked him about the, uh, the turnovers because this year – they're minus four at last year. They were plus 14 yep. in turnover differential. And he goes, well, sometimes the ball just doesn't bounce your way. That's not what's happened in these football games. And that's given me the least amount of confidence in this team going forward. Something has to change. I don't care. You're going to sell yourself on them beating Seattle, Tommy Cutlets, and Arizona and go, oh, okay, this team's a two seed. They should be able to compete. No. If you don't change, it's going to be the same thing when you go against Dallas and San Francisco again. So I'm jumping off the bus. I'm I'm nuts. I'm going crazy. But I can see it. To your point, Gene, they were top three. They, they Now, they varied throughout last season. But consistently, they were top three last season in third down pressure on the quarterback. Going into the San Fran game, I haven't, I haven't looked it up since then, but going into the San Fran game, they were last in the NFL in third down pressure on the quarterback, which feeds into your point of on those critical downs, they're not pressuring the quarterback. And then the middle of the field, 
is just if you can catch it, <laughs> you're going to make a play on third down against the Eagles defense. And you've seen that with these better teams that they're playing with Nick Sirianni addressing the changes the way he did. Is that just coach talk? Is that him not wanting to criticize his team? Or is that a bigger issue of him not really having a pulse on the defensive side of what exactly the issue is and him really thinking that it's just going to turn itself around because you're right. The next month it's going to, they're going to blow out these teams. They're going to look like a true number one seed heading into the playoffs, but will anything have actually changed during that four game stretch? Well, no, because he mentioned the fact that they're tired too. So like, this is the part that drives me nuts. Jalen Carter is not going to get any more rest. He's never played more than 12 games in his NFL life. In, in any life in, in college, he played 12 football games. Um, you're not, you're not going to get more rest. Jordan Davis has never played more than 12 games. That pass rush isn't going to get better. So it doesn't give me any confidence that they're going to get better. And when you look at the overall, when you mention a team being tired and say, he said, literally said in the same sentence, I, I laughed at it. He said, um, we can't use being tired as an excuse. Every team's tired. We're 13 games into a season and this, this, and that. But then he said, Jalen Carter's never played more than 12 games in his career. And college football's already done. And that shows you what a grind the NFL is. He's gotten slower. He's gotten worse, which is expected when you're a, a rookie defensive tackle. Jordan Davis played 80 snaps versus Buffalo. Do you realize how absurd that is? He hasn't been the same. He's looked gassed versus Dallas. They're not going to get better defensively. That's why they're rotating players in to try to get these guys some rest. And honestly, I um, my biggest fear is that they are not prepared headed into the biggest moments of the season. Um, our deepest fear is that not that we are inadequate. It's why we're powerful beyond all measure. That This team is not powerful beyond all measure. I have a quick question. Go ahead, yes, sir. Uh, look, Gene, if your offense can get on track and be more consistent, do you think that the offense, because with all the talent that you have on offense, can that sustain you and carry the defense? Because I look at Jalen Hurts and he looks like a guy, and, and people mention it, but you know, you would know for sure. Is he injured? Is 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 the knee an issue for him? Because I don't really see him moving or running. Not not the way he did last year. I, I think a big part of what makes Jalen Hurts Jalen Hurts is the dual threat, and 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 I haven't seen it as, as much this season. So I, I guess I'm asking if if he can get right, can the offense get right? Jalen Hurts is fine. Watch him Sunday night versus Dallas. He moved fine Sunday night. His legs look better than they have all season Sunday night. Here's the issue with Jalen Hurts, right? Teams know that his biggest threat is the dual threat, and we all joke about what Nick Bosa said after the game, but there have been teams that are playing him differently all year. So Brian Flores started the nickel double A gap pressure where he went with Minnesota played them. And funny that you say it, he had success in the first half versus Philadelphia. They went against defensive coordinators that have had different ways to scheme up against them all year. If you go through their schedule, it's, it's, it's funny, right? You got Belichick, Flores, Bowles, you had Fangio. You have the, the who's who of defensive geniuses coming up with ways to stop. And that's not to mention Dan Quinn. That's not to mention the San Francisco 49ers. They have the who's who of defensive coordinators. 
to scheme against him. The scheme is make him stay in the pocket. Don't let him run through the A, the, the A and B gaps. Make him go around the edges and don't rush to sack. Rush to keep him contained. Mm-hmm. And they've done that. And when you do that against him, these long developing plays that the offense coordinator, Brian Johnson, is, is calling aren't coming to fruition. And, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles have three weapons on offense, right? A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard. That's their three weapons in the passing game. Nobody else touches the ball. Zacchaeus, Watkins, Julio Jones, nobody. DeAndre Swift's touches have been down. Kenneth Gainwell stinks. It's, it's really not a hard concept, right? Rush five, rush four, have a sky, have like a, a spy, and then take the other six guys and make sure those three guys are covered. That's the scheme, and that's what teams have done against him all year. They make him roll out to the right or roll out to the left, and when he rolls out to the left, he's terrible. He can't throw across his body on the left side. It's it's up to him and the offensive coordinator to adjust. They're not doing that. Mo, news came out this week. We joke about this here and there on the morning show, uh, but news came out that Al Michaels has been pulled from the playoff broadcasts. It was interesting because he actually spoke about it a few weeks ago about how he's doing the playoff broadcast. But then the report comes out and the report says, oh, this has kind of been in the works for since 2022. It's It was already trending this way, kind of making it seem like he knew it was coming. So now you kind of look at his comments and like, did he know it was coming? Did he not know it was coming? Was he blindsided? Mo, he is almost 80 years old. What is your take on NBC kind of pulling the rug from Michaels? And again, a lot of this has to do with last season when the overwhelming population was underwhelmed with his call in the Jaguars game when the Jaguars completed their huge comeback and he delivered his normal Al Michaels presentation of it. Um, And people are like, aren't you going to be more excited for one of the greatest playoff comebacks in NFL history? And he just, he was professional. It was, it was okay but they didn't like that it wasn't bigger so mo what are your thoughts about the al michaels treatment uh and is it deserved i feel like al michaels is one of those announcers that's a staple in sports and um look i've seen him in big moments and his voice doesn't raise he just has a certain kind of cadence in his delivery um and i've never had a problem with it i i do think though that his comments on being on those Thursday night games because he hates the Thursday night games for good reasons because nine times out of ten, they stink. They give him stinkers to to, to announce. Um, I think this is one of those parting of the ways. I don't think he knew. I don't I don't think he knew at all. Um, but I think they're ready to move on for him for, for some of the reasons that you said. I think they want some newer faces, younger voices in there. I think they're ready to move on from Al Michaels. I just wish they had done it in a different way. Is it time, Gene? Is it time for Al to kind of start to segue out as being the face of the NFL broadcast booth? Or does he still have more left in the tank? 100% it's time for him to segue out. We're talking about a 79-year-old being replaced by a 27-year-old. In what profession in life is that not okay? Guys, listen, I love that Al Michaels has done broadcasting for all these years. But there's a lot of guys like me, like you, like Mo love sports that want to get into this and there's old fossils that really don't and i hate saying it this way but 
I'm not saying Al Michaels doesn't study the game like he used to study it, but mm. the mistakes he makes and the emotion that gets behind it are are not nearly as what happened five, ten years ago. Al Michaels just isn't the guy anymore, right? So, like, I want to hear Noah Eagle calling the games as opposed to Al Michaels. I want to hear a younger, more uh, – a person that's more in tune with what's going on. And, listen, Al Michaels is fine. He can walk away. He's got a ton of money. He's had a very successful career, and it's one of those things where you kind of wish they would have did it the nicer way, and we're like, Al, come on, dude. This isn't it. Let's not start the year with you. Let's move forward, retire, go out on your horse. However, they didn't, and they let him hang around, and they handled it the worst way they possibly could. But with that being said, it's the right move. There's people that want to get into this industry and people like Al Michaels, who's 79 years old, still calling games, messing up everyone's names, missing tons of plays, like of what's actually going on. Yeah, it's it's the right move for NBC. I just don't like the way they did it. Gene, let's talk a little bit about the NFC. So let's let's make a couple of assumptions here, shall we? Let's assume that the Niners, the Cowboys, the Lions, and the Eagles all make the playoffs. Uh, don't not worried about seeding right now, but those four teams are in. Let's figure out who the other two teams are going to be. Let's start with the NFC South. The Buccaneers are tied for their division with the Falcons and the Saints. Are serious question this morning, sir? Are you on the Baker train? You know, it's funny. You guys said this Baker train thing. I said it Monday night on Cheap Seats. Come on, ride the train. The Baker train. There it is. I'm on the Baker train, guys. I love the emotion that he brings. If you look at this NFC South and break it down, and there's three teams, right? Like Carolina's out of it. There's Derek Carr, who his teammates don't like him. Don't which, like the one on there. That's a, culture, that's a culture issue in New Orleans. That's not a Derek Carr issue. I'm so sick of that being like, oh, Derek Carr's not doing – Derek Carr's a great teammate. He's been a great he teammate. He loved with the Raiders. Correct. Loved. That's, that's a New Orleans issue, right? And then you have Desmond get rid of her, and then you have <laughs> Baker Mayfield. Who do you want to see in the playoffs? I want to see Baker. Give me Baker. I love Baker. So give Baker the division. Obviously, one of the wild cards is already going to be decided between either the Cowboys or the Eagles. <laughs> so, Gene, that leaves a mess behind. You have the Vikings who currently have a game up on the Packers, the Rams, the Seahawks, the Falcons, and the Saints. Oh, and let's not forget, because they're only one game back, Tommy Cutlets and the New York Giants and the surging have won three games in a row, Chicago Bears. Who is going to come out of that mess? Who is the one team? That's going to make the last wild card spot in the yeah, NFC. I think there's two, right? I think Minnesota falls off from their wild card spot. I don't think that they, they make it. I think they might lose out. So I think there's two teams that are listed in that bunch that come out of that group. The one I think is the Los Angeles Rams. Watch the way they played at Baltimore. That's Watch the other the one. I love what the Rams are doing. Puka Nakua, Cooper Cup, Kyron Williams, Matt Stafford. That defense looks resurgent. It's Aaron Donald and a bunch of young sixth-round draft picks. Yep. You want to talk about a hungry group? I love the Rams. And, guys, I know this might sound crazy, but if you followed my quarterback predictions the beginning of the season, you know where I'm going with this. And I don't care how wild it sounds. The Chicago Bears have turned the corner. I love Justin Fields. I've always loved Justin Fields. He has a turnover issue with the last four minutes of the game I, all the time. 
But he's going to go into Cleveland, and he's going to beat the Cleveland Browns this week. And I think the Chicago Bears run the table. That defense has looked different since Montez Sweat has been there. You cannot deny that. They looked incredible versus Detroit. They beat Minnesota. I think the Bears run the table and get the seventh spot. I think they become the – I think it's the first team in NFL history to make the playoffs and have the number one overall pick. I don't think that's ever been done. I'm pretty sure I heard that stat the other day. But they're going to have the number one overall pick with Carolina, and I think they get the seventh seed. I think they run the table. That's the hot take. I think that's the hot take. I'm with it. I'm with it. There will be one game back. Everyone talks about how how crazy that would be, but – Look at the Bears' schedule. It's very winnable. Like, do you think that they can – like, seriously, guys, do you think that they could beat Joe Flacco? Yeah. That, I mean, the, the defense, like you said, is playing completely different the last month, five weeks or so. So, with that defense, and then you look at – the defense takes stuff off the plate for fields, right? When the defense is only giving up, you know, 17, 20 points – you're not asking Fields to go out there and score five touchdowns. So now Fields doesn't have to do as ball? much. Did you see yeah. the dart he threw? No, I saw it. Yeah. And, and they, 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 play, they play the Browns. If they win that game at Cleveland, they have back-to-back home games versus teams that are actively trying to lose yep. in Arizona and Atlanta. I'm not like – you have Desmond Ritter and Kyler Murray. You don't think they can win those two home games? That's three more wins. And then the last week of the season is the one you got to worry about. And my question would be to you guys is, in a big game, who would you rather have, Justin Fields or Jordan Love? And my answer is Justin Fields. I'm taking Fields. What do you got, Mo? I just don't believe in Jordan Love. (laughs) (laughs) But, Gene, let me ask you this. If the Bears make the playoffs with a losing record, what do you do with the number one draft pick? Are you drafting a quarterback? See – this is the whole issue, right? If they make the playoffs, they might not fire Eberflus. Right. Well, so, <laughs> <get loose. laughs> that's the issue, right? So if I have the number one overall pick and I don't fire Eberflus and I make the playoffs, I'm drafting Marvin Harrison Jr. and getting Justin Fields another weapon. And then I'm using my second second pick to solidify the offensive line a little bit more. Um, I think Justin Fields is a franchise quarterback. I've always had. I know Caleb Williams is going to be incredible, and I get that. But do you really? And if you're not going to fire the head coach, do you really want to have another situation where you're not marrying the coach and the quarterback mm-hmm. again? I don't like that. I hate that breakdown. It's a, actually a funny scenario, which is why I want to see a play out with Chicago making the playoffs. But I, I, I love Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields could be the guy. And by the way, if they make the playoffs and they lose in the playoffs. They could trade Justin Fields for good assets. They could probably get a second and third from a team like Atlanta that's ready to like ready to build up a team that won't be high enough to take a quarterback. I could see Justin Fields landing in Atlanta, playing in that carpet in which he threw six touchdown passes versus Clemson in the uh, if you remember in the college football semifinal, I could see him playing down there and absolutely dominating with Break London, B. John Robinson, and Kyle Pitts. Remember, I said that three weeks ago that Justin Fields would end up in Atlanta. I think it's a perfect home for him. Mo, this is almost the perfect scenario for the Bears. They're most likely going to have the number one pick because I don't think Carolina's winning another game this season. And if they get into the playoffs or make a playoff push, 
you're literally able to sell if you wanted to Justin Fields at probably his highest price he's ever had in his career minus that like two or three game stretch last season where he ran for a bunch of yards. So literally, if you want to sell fields, you're going to get top dollar as far as what the market is for him. Or if you want to sell the number one draft pick, you're definitely getting top dollar because you're selling Caleb Williams to a team at that point. So literally this is shaping up for the bears, whatever direction they go in. If they fire their coach, they keep, that's the other thing. If you want, if who do you want to coach your team? Because look what they're walking into, Mo. <laughs> the GM's got to make that decision, though. And I, I don't want to interrupt, Mo. I apologize. No, I, no you got to make the decision of if he wants, if he has a new co- quarterback and he decides he wants to keep them on pick, he has to fire the coach. Right. Have to marry the coach and the quarterback. I, and I'm, I'm not against the idea of taking that number one pick and getting all kind of assets in return for that and building out your roster around Justin Fields. I'm not opposed to that either. Um, the only thing is, if you do it that way, you you probably won't get Marvin Harrison Jr. So do you want to give him a legit number one target um, that he can grow with and develop with? Or, and, and this isn't a bad option, do you want to build out the entire roster around him? So I, I think that GM has some serious decisions to make. Cause, but I like the idea of, of moving that number one pick. All right, Gene. Pleasure having you on here every week. Always. Sir. What's going on with Wire to Wire? Uh, tonight we're going to talk about the the craziness that was the NBA in season tournament. We got some NFL action. We got to break down. We're going to break down some NCAA football. That the college football bowl games. We're doing our bowl mania tonight, so we'll have that out for everybody so you can compete against us in bowl mania. Last year, Shally took it down for a second straight year. Um, so we want to see if anybody can knock him off in bowl mania. Uh, it'll be fun. It'll be a good conversation. And I, I kind of wanted to talk about Tommy Cutlets, but I will say <laughs> that Tommy Cutlets got to play the Philadelphia Eagles twice in the next three games. You, you brought up a topic earlier, and I think Tommy Cutlets is going to be overrated as hell when he's not thrown for 250 yards yet in his career. Listen, Gene, if uh, Jalen Hurts ends up with a weird ankle injury or something that can't be explained, you know how it happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Gene, we'll, appreciate see you next, you. we'll see you next week, sir. Hey, guys, it's Pavel the Cat and Evan Rev Runners. And we are two guys in Hockey Talk. We are here every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time to talk all things hockey. What are we talking about, Evan? We talk KHL, AHL, ETHL, every HL hockey league you can think about, prospects, juniors, even the professional women's hockey league. Yeah, we love it. And we have a website, Two Guys in Hockey Talk. So give us a follow. we got articles on all things related to hockey. And we're writing all throughout the season. So make sure you're tuning in. We're also on X or Twitter. Uh, you can find me at hockey underscore two. And you can follow me at Revan M. Or you can also go to twoguysandhockeytalk.com to follow everything. We love hearing from you guys. So make sure you tune in, comment, like, Give us a follow on our Facebook and YouTube page. We love hearing from you guys. And it's a blast talking all things hockey. Right, Evan? Hey, man, it is. So as we say every show, in the meantime and in between time. Keep your sticks on the ice. Cheers. Cheers. Welcome back. It's Coffee and Sports. It's the morning show here on Sports Empire Network. Mo, we're going to close it out today talking about Tommy Cutlets himself. Have you seen this guy's agent? 
uh, I saw him with the hat and, and the whole look, um, and I thought, man, uh, is this a scene out of Goodfellas? Like, this is awesome. He's kissing people in the crowd. He's giving right, this right. to everybody. Like he is, he is the whole thing. I'm like, wow, I'm here for that. If obviously the Giants aren't gonna win a ton of games, a ton more games. Uh they got the Eagles twice. Uh that's not looking good. But I think Tommy Cutlets has at least because I don't think they're gonna draft a, a quarterback in the draft that's going to be a clear starter. I think they're going to draft someone that, you know, could potentially turn into a franchise player. They still have to figure out what they're going to do with Daniel Jones, right? So I don't know, unless they trade up and they get one of the top two or three guys in the draft, I don't know if there's a clear answer for the Giants at quarterback next season. I'm okay with Tommy Cutlets being in the conversation, depending on how the rest of this season goes. I want to see him play against the Eagles. Even if they lose those games, I want to see what right. he looks like. I want to see him go through uh, another full offseason with the Giants and go through another full training camp. I think he has earned the opportunity to be in the conversation if he can take the steps that he needs to take. I'm with you. Um, and I think that these games coming up versus Philly are big for him. He doesn't have to win them. But we, we judge quarterbacks on how they play and wins and losses. And I, I think that if he can play well, he goes into next season with a clear shot to me in a, in a competition versus Dan, Daniel Jones. Now, granted, by default, because of the amount of money they invested in Danny Crimes, he probably is going to be the starter. But I think you at least got to give Danny Cutlets a shot, especially if he plays well. And don't let him find a way to win out. If he wins out, he will be the starter next year. Right now, the Giants have the eighth pick in the NFL draft. They are in it's, – it's going to fluctuate based on tiebreakers the rest of the season. They're tied with Chicago, who has the fifth, and the Chargers, who have the tenth. So they're in that fifth to tenth conversation right now. If they were to win another game this season, you know they could shift up and they could drop potentially as low as 13 or 14th. If that were to happen, now you kind of start wondering how are the quarterbacks going to fall? Mm -hmm. Are they going to go up and get one? There's no way to really predict what happens with For that. Sure. But obviously, if they don't get one of the big two or three names, and again, you have to figure out what do you do with Danny Dimes? You're paying him 40 plus million a year. Right. Is he, is he going to be your backup quarterback? Like, I don't know. I don't know what that Do you get one of the big names and you sit them on the bench for a year behind Danny Dimes? Do right. you do that? I, they have so many decisions to make. And let, let's be clear. It's doubtful. We can, we can both agree it's doubtful that the Giants beat the Eagles. Oh, I agree. 100%. You know what I mean? It's very doubtful. So this, this, this the points could be moot. I, I do think, I do think going into next season, though, they have to consider legit given – Danny Cutlass a shot at being their starter, period. I mean, I mean, he, the opportunity's there. If he makes something out of it, great. If he looks absolutely terrible the next four games and last week was the highlight of his season, right. then it, it, is, it is what it is, right? And he's a local hero. Right. Um, makes for a great story. Yeah. Well, story's not finished. He has four weeks to kind of seize the opportunity, if you will, and build on. Remember, Mo, three weeks ago, they, they wouldn't let the kid pass the ball. Literally, they wouldn't let him pass the ball, right? Now he's having game-winning drives. I'm just saying the progression is there. That's an insane what does it look like the next four weeks? I'm with you. Um, 
I think it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm here for the ride. You know, the great thing about this NFL season, we've gotten some great stories from Joshua Dobbs to now Danny Cutlets. Um, there are so many great stories. So I'm just going to ride these out and see how they play out. All right, Mo, close us out, sir. Appreciate everybody in the chat. Thank you. Thank you so much for the support. Appreciate everybody that's watching us right now on face Facebook or YouTube. Check out all the content we have for you on Sports Empire Network. Check out the Empire. Make sure you're back. Same time, same place tomorrow. Uh, we're going to start predicting some football games for the upcoming week. That all takes place right here tomorrow. Coffee and sports. It's the morning show. We will see you in the morning. I mean, you can see right now, without LeBron, Lakers are, are struggling. Let me tell you about a team I hate, all right? I know the Dallas Cowboys fan is here, so I had to make sure he knew how much I hate this Already. Team. I've often said that the people who run baseball, they try very hard to ruin it. I'm from Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, Brooklyn. Hey, isn't he?